Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Buckle up, here we go! Kings of the Podcast, episode 16.3. Dennis Bernstein, John Hoven, live from Staples Center. DB, how? <laughs> Fans, if you could see the look on Dennis's face right now after that stinker against the St. Louis Blues. DB, do you, you, have, any word, do you have any words right now? Do you now? smell the coffee? Wake up and smell the coffee, fans. Those seven fans that think that this was a playoff push, didn't. if you watch the game tonight, it's not a playoff push. Sorry. Interesting, DB. Uh, we talked about it previously. This was a little bit of a trap game, I felt, coming in. You're right, coming after a long road trip, Agreed. a successful road trip, 3-1-2 and two on the road trip. Uh, picked up a lot of points there. Had the big win in Boston, obviously. Um, you're coming home. You're going to see family for the first time in a couple right. of weeks. You, you, you know, you're up against the Christmas break. Uh, McClellan talked about it after the game. But when I talked to Kopi, uh, DB, you were setting up so you didn't get a chance to hear. But basically, yeah. I asked Kopitar. I said, hey, um, was this just one of those classic trap games coming off the road trip? And, and he felt that although there was some merit to that, he was more concerned because he felt over the last couple of games of the roadie, uh, Dennis, yeah. that old habits were creeping in. And then I asked McClellan about that, and he said the same thing. So uh, be looking out for that. Some old yeah. habits were creeping in, especially the slow starts. Now, I particularly find this interesting because you were there at practice, which yeah. is rare enough that you were at practice, but you and I were there at practice, practice a couple of weeks ago, and I was pressing Todd on that point that for the first month of the season, this team played very well uh, early on, early on right? Engaged, you know, the first yeah. period, they were engaged. They first were month out. of the season, and Calgary coming yeah. out in Edmonton, yeah. And that something had changed of late, and, and he didn't really seem to want to buy into that now, but tonight there was clearly some frustration, I felt, after the game, McClellan, with, with tonight's especially slow start, you know, giving up yeah, so many goals. I'm sure he warned them about it, and they came out and just, that was all, that was as bad a 12 minutes as there was since maybe the Vancouver game, when they got around in the building there, but it happens because people... It's just it's human nature. I agree with you. It's a trap game. You're coming home. You're thinking about gifts. Family's back in. The, probably a lot of the families were here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it was a little bit too they much were. to carry. They were. I saw a couple of the wives downstairs. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little too much to carry with respect to uh, this. And, and they're playing a, a world-class team. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. And that, I think that's a that, championship team. That's a good point, DB. Let's, let's not uh, disrespect the Stanley Cup champion no. St. Louis Blues uh, and their ability to come in here. And uh, a little revenge. Braden Shin little, yeah. with some revenge in this game. He's got 17 goals, John. 16 of them against the Kings or what? <laughs> That's like heavy on the revenge scale, perhaps. That's super heavy. Yes, Nick Alberga. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Muzzy. He lives on. Um, yeah. DB, uh, well, first yeah. of all, when it comes to the St. Louis Blues, I mean, there are three things to come to mind, and they're Go far ahead. more important than tonight's game. Way more. Um, in 1996, the big trade. The L.A. Kings and the St. Louis Blues hooked up uh, in a Wayne Gretzky deal. We saw Roman Volpot and Craig Johnson as part of that. Yep. And those happen to be two people that we've had on Kings of the Podcast exactly. recently. If you missed the Roman Volpot interview, mm. you need to go back and listen to the Roman Volpot interview. Because, uh, D.B., I would say that he bookended that with two <laughs> mic drop moments. Yes, he did. John. And there were about ten other classics if in between If you want there. reality, you're going to get it from Roman Volpot. <laughs> that was unfiltered. Transparent as it comes, exactly. Yeah, how good was it? I mean, that was that, that was, was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> my joke was good though at the end when I said oh, maybe it wasn't the best time. Uh, that, that was cl- and you did a 
by the way, fans, I'm going to kiss John's butt here. You've done a great job in this 16.127, whatever it is, of pulling some fantastic guests. So, well, thank you. Yeah, no thank problem. you. And I then, continue. And to only like one person could probably get Roland Volbat. It's John Hoven. Well, I appreciate that. No I problem. continue to uh, work the contacts in my phone. Yeah, sure um, I, I would. Every one of these guys, we, I feel like we could go another hour with Agreed. just because I have so many yeah. questions that, that I, you know, I love the history of the team. So anyway, 1996, yeah. of course, was one pivotal moment between the Kings and the Blues, and we've been fortunate enough to have two of those guys involved in that trade, Craig Johnson and Roman Volpot, on the, yep. on the podcast. Um, another key moment between the Kings and the Blues came just a couple years later in 1998, and longtime Kings fans know exactly what I'm talking about. You just say the name, Courtnall, and they know exactly what that means. <laughs> uh, had a great interview, shameless plug, uh, had a great interview with uh, Sean O'Donnell about mm-hmm. that moment right. where he essentially created a five-minute power play, and the Blues went on to destroy the, the LA Kings in those playoffs there, and, and that was a what, what the Kings fans were hoping would have been a, a bright light there in the playoffs coming just a couple years after the Gretzky trade. So that right. was 98. But I would say that uh, the third moment, and these are in no particular order, but the third moment would have been the sweep of the Blues back in 2012. Yep. Those are the three key moments, and uh, uh, we'll, we can talk with some more guests in the future about Was that the series that Penner scored with one second left? Or was that the Phoenix? No, that was, the Phoenix was overtime goal. No, no, there was one goal he sh- he scored with like a second left. Was it? Yeah, from the left wing. I remember. I remember the Dwight yeah, King goal in that series. Yeah, I have more. to look it up. Uh, okay, for the next episode. Well, wow, I'm embarrassed. I thought I was the official Dennis. I mean Dennis, the official Dustin Penner historian. You are still. Um, but, you so know, they can ship it. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sad that I, that I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. um, let's get back to this game here for just a couple of minutes, and, yeah. and we do have a fantastic guest lined up for the second period tonight, and Tony Granado. Yeah. Yep. So much to talk about uh, with Granado, but um, Dennis, the, the D rotation is is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Kale Clegg, who made his NHL debut against Buffalo, was out of the lineup tonight. I was disappointed he didn't get to play here uh, at the Staples Center. You did, but you, there was disdain on your face. There was. When the scratches came out. <laughs> I was not happy about that. I thought that Clegg deserved to play. Uh, and, and I don't like calling somebody up and letting them play one game. G- give them yeah. a couple of games. The first game, by the way, his NHL debut, is a throwaway game in the sense that yeah. The kid's nervous. He has a ton of emotions. At least they broke him in on the road. Yeah, fine. A bit more but then you bring him back and you let him play tonight. I mean, what? John, I will <laughs> tell you this, and I'm glad that I broke up. Uh, uh, I, I volunteered this. Um, seen enough of Joachim Ryan. Yeah. I would have no problem scratching him every night to play a Cal Clegg. Yes. I think the time has come where a game, especially at the game like tonight. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like if you had any, any – fleeting thoughts about maybe this team can put gun out on a five or six game winning streak and, and get closer to the playoffs. It, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So please let, the kids up here. He's ready, John, right? Yes. The player ready. He should have, he should have, he ready. should already have 15 or 20 games of NHL experience under his belt. If you go back to last year when he broke his foot, he was about to be called up. And if you want to take Ben Hunt out of the rotation, my guy, instead of Joaquin, Martin, fine, put Kale Clegg in there every night. Put him next to Drew Doughty, and let's see what happens for the rest of the season. Or at least put him on the second pairing, you know, yeah. line him up with Alec Martinez or something. I mean, give him yeah. minutes. Don't yeah. just let him play six minutes a night I on the third pair. I don't want to see these veterans who could be gone by the deadline or certainly won't be re-signed at the end of the season. I'm, I'm done with them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no disrespect to the players either. It's like if you want this progression to continue, this kid is ready. He paid his dues. He came back from an injury. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Play him. Yeah. Play him 17 minutes a night. Like the, the one part I don't get, John, and I love Todd, and I'm, I'm really, you know, really cautious about criticizing him. He played 1737 in Buffalo. How do you go from 1737 <laughs> to a healthy scratch? Yeah. If he played nine minutes, I get it. You know, he broke his cherry. That's great. You put him in the lineup. You get all the stuff going on. He came back on the charter with the team. But go for 1737 to a healthy scratch. I don't want to hear about rotation because there's nobody else rotating in that needs that playing time. Right. That's the key right That's there. That's my frustration with, with not seeing him tonight, especially against the championship team. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. I want to see, okay, you had a nice game in Buffalo, but now let's gonna, we're going to dial up the, the odds here, and you're going to play against the Blues, and you're going to play against Shannon well, and all these other players. Look, right. we, uh, I think that the strength of this show or even of our friendship is when we can play devil's advocate against each other. Please. Iron sharpens iron, right? right. I, I would say totally. if you're going to sit Clegg out over a five-game stretch, perhaps tonight is the game because you don't want to put him in that – that deep of water. Okay. Uh, and, and so I'll excuse the scratch tonight if he plays the next five games. Okay, he San, better be in there San against Jose, San Jose and Vancouver, Vancouver and those and other Philly. teams. Right. Yeah, well, I don't know if anybody should be in there against the Flyers.
Flyers. The Flyers will, and all, uh, they are, and they always will be the Broad Street Bullies to me. But uh, I think by now fans know that that's, that's the game that I circle on the calendar but, okay, every year. So I can't I'll, wait for the Flyers. I'll game. give Todd the mulligan tonight. But okay. I, I got to see I talked you game. off the ledge? <laughs> yeah, I'm not at the Temporarily? ledge. Temporarily? It's just that, like, what's the point of putting Ryan in the game? Like, I don't know. Of, of, I mean, there's no point anymore. Okay, right? well. All right. What was the point of playing Dwight King all those games, too? I mean, you know, if you really want to get into it. <laughs> I don't know. Is he a teacher's pet? Perhaps. We'll have to ask Todd. Uh, <laughs> you know, teacher's some pet. of those wounds never go away, no, DB. They, they never do. They never yeah. do. Let's get into it, DB, because we have a great guest tonight. Enough of us. More of him. Less of us. Uh, Tony Granato is coming in uh, for the second period. Let's set some numerology up here, as we love to do. Talk some Jersey sure. stuff now. Tony Granato wore number 14 in Los Angeles for a very brief, uh, b- brief period before he wore 21. We'll, we'll ask Tony about that. We'll get into why that happened. 27 players have worn number 21, the more the, the, the number that Granado is more commonly associated with here in Los Angeles. That's the number we're going to focus on tonight. Uh, number 21 was worn by Bill White back in 1968 for a couple of seasons, then Glenn Goldup uh, in 77. Glenn Goldup, I remember that. 77 to 82. You remember that, DB? I do remember Glenn. I don't remember as a king, but I remember the name. Some of my and fa- Bill White, too. <laughs> Some of my favorite moments of Jersey numerology so far, DB, is I mentioned a couple players that I've never heard of, and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally remember that yeah, guy. because so. I'm 61 years old. <laughs> Uh, really? That really? You don't look a day over fifty-one. I know, Come on, I, now. Know. I look good for seventy-two. You, <laughs> now Wayne McBean. I want to talk about him for a second. He yes. he wore number twenty-one from eighty-eight to eighty-nine. And Kings fans, if you don't know this, Wayne McBean is a legend. If for no other reason, he dated Alyssa Milano. Oh, is that that photo? Yeah. You showed so when me? I show now, if you want to, if you want to talk about, uh, I mean that that's that's a Hollywood hottie at that time. Oh, sure, right? absolutely. I mean, that's, that's at the you know who's the boss? Let's yeah. Go. Well. Clearly, Wayne McBean was, was the, the boss. boss right. <laughs> I mean, he dated Alyssa Milano, and uh, I do once again want to give credit to King Storian on Twitter, who actually sent me a photo. I don't even know where he had picked up this photo, but it's of Alyssa Milano and Wayne McBean, so more power to him. Uh, another guy who wore number 21 in Los Angeles, going down the memory lane there, uh, DB, Barry Beck. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of different sort of uh, tentacles on this one. Barry Beck wore it from 19, or in 1990. He's the head coach over in uh, Hong Kong yeah, of the national the team. Yep. Now, if you want to hear a funny story, though um he, i guess he had kind of retired and then he want, he realized he wanted to play again so he came to los right. angeles gm rogi vashon at the time had brought him in and rogi made some kind of we'll call them disparaging comments or questionable comments mm-hmm. about him in the press saying that he was a little slow-footed and he right. maybe couldn't keep up with the speed of the smite division right. and that sort of pissed off the player and uh soon thereafter he retired so interesting uh short short run there with barry beck in los angeles uh, Tony Granato was the next guy in line to wear the number 21 in L.A. He ended up wearing it from 1991 to 96. We're going to get to Granato, but let me rattle off a bunch of other names here sure. and tell you a couple of quick stories. So um, some of the other guys that wore it after Tony left L.A. would have been Ole Jokinen, Brian Smolenski, good old smoke, uh, John Tripp, Brian Wilsey, uh, Denny Gauthier, Scott Pars. Scott Pars. <laughs> Scott Pars. And from then North you, Dakota. Scott and then Pars. you get into uh, guys like uh, Matt Fratton, Nick Shore, Nikita Sherback. Now, of course, Nikita Sherback was a player the Kings picked up off of waivers last year. Yeah. Um, never really made it into the lineup very often. Uh, one game. Came from Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's back in the KHL. Nick Shore, we all know what his story was. Uh, one of four brothers. Yeah. Uh, great, great family, hockey family, DU, uh, which is uh, Denver, which is actually where uh, McClellan's uh, son was playing hockey. Yes. Uh, Matt Fratton, interesting story, of course. He came to the Kings in the Bernier trade, trade. and then he left L.A. in the Gabrick trade. trade. There you go, absolutely. For number 12, 21 for 12. Well, okay. And uh, Scott Parse, uh, who was mentioned on the uh, Colin Frazier episode. Scott Parse, of course, was injured. That's how Colin Frazier got into the lineup. But I want to go back to uh, Smoke real quick. He was part of the big uh, Palfi trade. DB, that had to be a trade that you love. You love big trades. Big trades. Eight players involved in that deal. That was a big one back then. I I fawn for that now. I just (laughs) sit by the window every night with a candling. When's the blockbuster trade coming? Okay, well, while I tell this Ole Okunen story, you think, because I don't know the answer. This is not a trick question, but what was the last (laughs) mega trade in the NHL? So you think about that for a second while I uh, inform the listeners. So Mm -hmm. Ole Okunen, um, check this dude out. He played 1,231 games in the NHL. He played for 10 teams. Now, of course, he wore 21 in Los Angeles. He is more commonly known as number 12 throughout his NHL career over those 1,000-plus games, and also even he wore 12 in L.A., but the first year when he broke in with the Kings, he actually wore the opposite of that. He wore 21 Mm -hmm. because 
Roman Vopat was wearing number 12. Roman Vopat. Ties back to our last game. Yeah, absolutely. So Vopat wore 12. Jokinen wore 21. The following year, they come back. Mm -hmm. Jokinen is now wearing 12. Right. Vopat, and I didn't even remember this, Vopat wore 29. And the reason I don't remember it is he only played in three games in 29, and then he was gone for Los Angeles. You might have to have a game the six degrees of separation. Yeah, so this is some fun stuff. I do want to give a quick shout-out, though, to uh, King's uh, longtime uh, PR guru, Jeff Moeller. Yes, guru. guru. Yeah, yeah. When you say PR in the NHL, you have to add guru to the end of it. Uh, But Jeff (laughs) Moeller was kind enough. Uh, I I had uh, emailed him for a couple of photos recently. Um, for, for some of these players like Sean O'Donnell and, 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 and um, uh, Vopat and whatnot. Right. And uh, when I asked him for some uh, pictures of Vopat, he sent me a couple of them wearing 12, and then one of the pictures he sent was wearing 29. 29, really? And I, cool. and I, I thought he might have grabbed the wrong photo. Right, so right, I had right. to go and look it up. I said, Vopat wore 29 for three games. And, and I remember Vopat wearing the, the, uh, the Gretzky-era jersey, the Chevron. Chevy, right. But the three games he wore 29, it was the new purple shield that they debuted right, at Staples, right. excuse me, at the Forum right. before moving to Staples Center. I know, DB, you get a little bored with my jersey numerology. No, I don't get bored at all. I love all. it. So, um, you love it, man. I, Come it's, on. Because Passion. it's a great trip down memory lane. It is. I love hearing these names. I mean, just look at these names. Brian Smolinski. I'm just telling you, I go to Hockey Reference sometimes, and I look at that, and I see, like, how many how many different players have worn and how few players have worn certain numbers. So, uh, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's a great part of the show, and I think I don't get bored with it. Scott Parson. I mean, anytime Scott you can Pulse, work Scott Parson. I remember, um, I have to go back and pull the actual quote, but Dean Lombardi said something crazy like, Scott Parse was one of the 10 best wingers yeah. in the <laughs> NHL or something, yeah, something the year that he was trying to break in. It was, yeah. And I remember all, Always of, hurt. all of media that day at, during camp was like, what is Dean talking about? <laughs> Always hurts. <Scott. laughs> but Lombardi, man, he was the mad scientist. Um, did, have was. you thought, of, before we go uh, to break here, have you thought of the last mega trade uh, in the NHL? The, the biggest, the blockbuster, not from a, a, a numeri- numerical standpoint, yeah. but PK for Shady Weber. Oh, that was a big one. That's a big. Yeah, that's a big. I, I I wanted to know like like a six player deal. This like, you is know, the this last minute of play in the period. You, tra- you exactly. trade assets. You trade right. like a player and three prospects. Yeah, you know? like the Evander Kane trade or yeah. something like that. It, it's it's not a two way situation. All right. Well, okay. coming up after the break here in just a few minutes, we'll bring in Tony Granado, yeah. of course, uh, not only member of the LA Kings but uh, organization, but uh, now the head coach at the University of Wisconsin. And there happens to be a top LA Kings prospect there by the name of Alex Turcott, DB. I'm you sure I've heard of him. We, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll probably ask you might Tony. Might see him playing the next couple of days. Oh, he's in the World Juniors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talked about that at all, John. Something like that. Okay. We'll be back in just a minute, folks. <laughs> Welcome back to the second period, and our special guest today is Tony Granado, former member of the LA Kings, and of course, more recently, the head coach of uh, Wisconsin. Tony, welcome to Kings of the Podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Well, look, uh, we have a bunch of questions for you today. We'll talk about the Badgers, we'll talk about the Kings, and of course, we want to talk about Alex Turcott. but... uh, Let's start with Wisconsin. So from the outside looking in, it's been kind of a roller coaster season, I would say, uh, at Wisconsin. How would you describe the season so far? Yeah, we had a great start. Uh, the past few weeks, we haven't played up to our expectations or uh, to the level we thought we would. So it's been a little bit of a struggle. But uh, uh, we got a young team. We got a, a very skilled team, a team that can uh, can uh, hopefully have a big second half. I think we're ready for it. And uh Looking forward to the challenges that we have. A Big Ten schedule is tough, and uh, we know we know uh, we dug ourselves a little bit of a hole. But we're looking forward to the challenge to try to to make something of the season and have a big second half. And Tony, you've coached in both the NHL and college, and obviously the the, the age of the players are different. But but differences with respect to overall coaching approach, and how much have you have to change as a coach coming from the NHL to the college, if at all? Well, I think as a coach, you always try to change just because you try to, you know, learn and get better each and every, you know, year or as the season goes along. So I think there's always adjustments to make no matter what level you're at. But, but going back to the college kids from the NHL, you got a younger group of kids that are, are learning their way. Um, they're a little bit more raw. 
a little bit more immature maybe in certain ways uh, than, than the NHL guys, but they're guys that have great ambitions and they got a ton of energy and heart and, and dream of, of playing in the NHL someday. So you're just trying to, to channel them the right direction. You're trying to help them make the right decisions and choices mm-hmm. uh, in how they go about, uh, you know, trying to get ready for that next level. So uh, it's been a ton of fun. I've got a great group of kids to work with. Um, you know, Alex Turcott's one I'm sure we're going to be talking about here real soon, sure. but there's one that uh, uh, has been a pleasure to, to get to know, and and uh, he's going to be a great player someday in the NHL for a long, long time. And to watch him, you know, develop and grow into that player is, is the kind of uh, uh, the fun part of being back in the college level and seeing the guys before they get to be stars in the league, you know, do all the things that they need to do to be ready for that opportunity. Just following up on the rawness, Tony, do you find yourself needing to have more patience with a group of these players as opposed to any expectations are different? Um, or is it just a different level setting with respect to I, I, what you expect from the players? I think patience is a good word. I think that, that you have to be. You know, um, again, the, most of the kids that come in as freshmen are 18 years old. Some of them are 17. We get Dylan Holloway who got on campus this summer. He was 17. He'll be a draft pick next year. He'll be a, probably a top 10 pick. Uh, so, you know, they're coming, you know, to you, to our program to learn and grow and develop. And, and yeah, by the time they get out of here, they'll be, you know, they're going to probably be playing their best hockey, you know, next year or the year after. But to help them mature and get to that level, they're still great players at our level. They're still great kids to coach. And, you know, you want them to mature as fast as and then you – you, you hope that they're uh, they're able to join their NHL team as soon as possible. But while they're here, you know you want to get the most out of them to, to help your program. You want them you want them to be uh, be in the moment, so to speak. You don't want to get a get them ahead where they already get one foot out the door. And I think that that's a natural thing for young players, especially when they get drafted, especially when they're hearing all the the noise about their NHL team and and how much their NHL team may need them. You know, they're, they're at Wisconsin. You're hoping they're enjoying their experience with us, and, and you try to keep them grounded and with us as, as long as you can, just mentally more so than, than uh, you know, we know they're going to depart early. We know they're going to be in the NHL soon, but we want them to, to enjoy the experience of, of being part of, of our program too because it's, it's something that they'll have with them forever, and we want them to make the most of it. Tony, I remember when you were in Pittsburgh, you and I had a conversation where you were talking about your evolution as a coach and what you had learned about, you know, your time as a head coach versus being an assistant coach and that sort of stuff. I'm just curious with the, today's environment and what's going on at the coaching ranks and especially at the NHL level, but are you having to change your approach or have you had to change your approach at all over, over the last, you know, six to 12 months just because of the environment surrounding the coaching fraternity right now? That's a real interesting question, and I, I know lots of us coaches, when we run into each other, we discuss it and talk about it. And, and No, I, I don't think I'm changing. I think I'm understanding that there's there's lots of things out there in today's world that are different than they were you know, 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years ago. Lots of the things that are coming out now are from years and years ago, mm-hmm. and, and it was different. The athletes were different. The, the culture was different. The the whole you know dynamics of the world was different. So so there has to be some change and growth to it. And and I don't mind the discussions. I don't mind you know looking forward and saying okay as coaches you know we have to be a little bit more aware of certain ways of, of coaching or, or or treating players whatever it might be. But I don't like going back and, and digging stuff out from twenty and thirty years ago saying well I think maybe that might have been something that shouldn't have been done and, and trying to hold someone accountable for something that coaches back then were hard. Mm-hmm. That's the way they were. They, they were, and they were in your face. They were intense. Uh, they wanted to win just like we did. And I loved being pushed like that. There were times where I didn't agree with my coach or didn't agree with the way I was treated, but I also respect the heck that he was there for me and there for our organization and there to try to make me a better player and up to better team. So, so with that being said, you know, uh, some of the stuff that you hear and, and read about, you don't really enjoy uh, hearing about because you don't think it, you think it might be embellished a little bit to, to hurt someone's character or what they they meant or did for the game or for their team or their program or their organization. So, so I, I think it's a great question to ask. It's certainly been discussed amongst a lot of coaches. Um, our game is a special game because the people in our game 
whether it be coaches, players, fans, uh, management, we got a special game. And when when things are thrown out there that that uh, it's it's wrong and you know that it's, it's bad culture and things like that, that hurts. That's, I think we as players and coaches and people that love hockey so much take that personal. And we got the greatest game. We got the greatest people in the game, and uh, we. Just want to make sure we keep it that way and, and be respected for that. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty there. That was a it was a, it was a great answer. Um, look, let's transition back to some players. I had two names on my list today, and you already hit on both of them a little bit in Turcotte and Dylan Holloway. Just first, start with Alex. I mean, one of the things that I noticed when he was here, right after he was drafted, he was here for development camp. Right away, you noticed that this kid carries himself differently than most other prospects. There's just a confidence. There's a maturity about him um, that, from my perspective, is different than what you see in a lot of kids his age. Can you maybe talk a little bit about the recruiting process in, in terms of getting Alex to commit there and what it's been like as you've seen his game evolve? Maybe just give us sort of the, the state of his uh, his game right now. Sure, absolutely. And you're right on on that. I think the, the one thing that I noticed right on draft day was after he was drafted first round by the King, who then met all of the rest of the draft picks by the King. He didn't want to go celebrate and run around and, and uh, celebrate his. He wanted to enjoy it with the future, you know, picks that were going to be selected by LA. I thought that was really, really impressive for me uh, to see that he would think of doing that and waiting around the second day and waiting around for all of the picks to come up to the the, the team box. And, and I, so I thought that was really remarkable. Says a lot about him. He grew up in the hockey world. His dad was a player. His dad was a first-round pick. Uh, and he's been dreaming of this moment for a long, long time. But more importantly, he's been learning from all of the experiences that he's had through his dad and through, uh, you know, through the other experiences with USA Hockey and, and everything. So so I agree with you totally on that. His, his maturity as a player, you know, he continues to grow. He's a player that's really, really hard on himself. He expects himself to be the best player on the, on the ice every single night. And if he doesn't help his team win, he takes it personal and he takes it hard. So I think there's some, some growing to do there as far as calming down and understanding that, you know, the, the, you, can't be, you can't beat yourself up over and over and over. You're going to wear yourself down. So the competitiveness is great. And now channeling that in the, in the right direction to become the most productive player is probably uh, the, the biggest challenge and, and thing for him uh, in the next little while to, to kind of uh, get control of. And I, and I think that that's the, you know, I, I love the kid. I love how hard he competes. I love how uh, how he is as, as a player and teammate. I think he's going to have to channel some energy uh, and some some uh, some better directions just to help him be more productive and, and continue to grow his game. But he's uh, he's developing great. He's, he's, his numbers are good. I think that with the chances that he's created, you know, he'd like to have more goals. I think there was a weekend last weekend against, uh, two weekends ago it's Michigan State where he had five point blankers and he had post, he had goalies knobs, he had the goalie in the head, he missed empty nets where he was frustrated because you know, they're not going in for him right now but I think the second half will be a big big uh, year for him number wise. I think he'll have a great world junior tournament and, and come back and, and continue to grow and, and turn into that player that the LA Kings selected their fifth overall. Well, if nothing else, Tony, I'm excited to, to now hear that the two of you are on the same page because I just talked to Turcotte a couple of days ago from the uh, Team USA camp right before they left to go overseas, and he was telling me that he's sort of hard on himself and that that's something he has to work on, and he credited you, actually. He said that's one of the things that Coach Granado really is helping me do is understand the mental side of sort of calming down and, and not you know putting too much pressure on myself. So he really echoed what you just said, so uh, that's phenomenal. Um, yeah, and that's... I don't want to interrupt you, but that's a strength of his. I mean, he, he, he takes the game home. He's 24 hours a day. He reminds me of, you know, Sid was just like that when I had Sid in Pittsburgh. And, and Sid is a guy that 24 hours a day, he's thinking about how to become better, how am I going to win, um, you know, about the next game. And the other thing that, that they do is they bring stuff from the previous game that bothered them, that they didn't do well enough. And, and it kind of is, is somewhat of a, a mental barrier that maybe slows them down and, and, and uh, prevents them from getting back to playing to that level that they need to. So, so Turk is growing. He's, he's a kid that, that I am going to cheer for for a long, long, long time. We're going to be able to watch him for a long time. And uh, L.A. Kings fans are going to be really, really excited and happy when he does get there. 
Tony, you can interrupt me to talk about Turcotte anytime you want. I'm all ears. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, I'd rather hear you talk about Turcotte than hear me talk about him. But I just wasn't on my list, but now I'm going to have to ask you since you said Turk. He told me when he was here over the summer that um, the best nickname he has is Turkey, but he said not a lot of people use it. Do you guys have a good nickname for him? Because Turk is just too boring. We, we need a good one. What do you have? I'll come up with a better one <laughs> okay. for you than that. But, <laughs> but uh, he's he's uh, he's funny about that. Like, I mean, you know, the turkey one I, I have not heard. I think I'll go with that one when he gets back. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> we got a we got a secret name that I call him, and that's between him and I. That someday maybe we'll share. Oh, Tony, you're holding out on me. Bit, when he gets a little bit out of control, I whisper something in his ear to try to try to get him back on track, and, right. and it's kind of. It's kind of more in a humor thing. I want him to get him to smile instead of being so serious. So I whisper something in his ear, and uh, and hopefully he clicks back in the ear and and gets himself back on track. But but uh, yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying him, and I'm glad you're getting to know him. And I'm glad you're sharing him with uh, with the L.A. Kings fans on what he's going to be like when he gets there. Yeah, it's going to be phenomenal uh, at some point, but there's still plenty of hockey left at Wisconsin uh, before he before he makes it to L.A. Uh, a couple more before we let you run here. You mentioned Dylan Holloway. He was on my list. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. He, he was cut from the World Junior Camp, but he is a 2020 draft eligible player. Probably going to be a first round player. Um, just t- tell people that don't really have a chance to see him very often uh, a, a couple bullet points on Dylan Holloway and what makes this player so special. Sure. He's from Alberta. He's from Calgary. He was a, a, a player that everybody thought would go play major juniors and probably everybody in Canada thought and expected him to do that. So, so we were lucky to have him. He thought education was something. His family was, it was really important for him and his family uh, to, to combine the academics and the athletic together. And, and we were fortunate enough to get him, but he, he was cut from the world junior team. I think that he had a great showing there. He's an underage player. They went with a more mature, more uh, older, experienced veteran team. I think with this camp and what he did in the in the uh, scrimmages was was outstanding. There were some great reports from NHL people saying that mm-hmm. they thought he was a top top six forward there, which would be really impressive with the with the, the talent that that group has. So mm-hmm. so his draft year is coming up. Uh, I would say you know right now I, I'm totally confident he'll be a top ten pick. I think he'll be somewhere between five and ten. Uh, he's a player that uh, plays left wing and center. He's a, he's a very strong skater, very strong for his age, uh, solid on pucks, good speed, um, and, and great offensive upside. So, so I think he's more, more of like a, a Jonathan Hayes type of player that, that potentially could be a, a, a guy that if he's paired with a guy like Hayes was with Kane, if you get another one, two guy like that in an NHL franchise, he might hit the jackpot with Dylan Holloway. So, so I think he's going to have a great second half of the year. He'll probably be back with us next year uh, in college for his sophomore year. Uh, like you said, he got to campus as a 17-year-old, so he just turned 18 after, uh, you know, late in, late in the year. So um, he's, a, he's a kid that you guys uh, will be excited to watch and, and grow and develop. And, and uh, like, like you said about Turk, he's going to make the team that drafts him uh, really happy to, to have a guy like that coming into his organization. Now, look, um, on the L.A. Kings front, you know, everybody likes to ask you about the bigger name players, you know, t- your time with Gretz uh, or, or, you know, playing with four, playing with 20. Um, I, I have two lesser known <laughs> names to ask you about. Uh, we recently had some chats here on the podcast with Rob Stauber and with Roman Volpot, who you had a little bit of time with. Um, just any, any yep. funny stories or any memories when you think about Rob Stauber uh, and or when uh, you think about Volpot? Uh, well, was Volpat in the, in the Gretzky trade? He was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. So that's the one thing I remember about Rome coming over, you know, in, in, the, in the Gretzky trade and all the pressure of having, the, you know, okay, we traded, you know, 99, Gretzky goes one way, who's, who are you getting back? And, and he was part of that deal. Uh, but but a great teammate, fun guy to be around. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we only we only crossed over for a half a year there. That year right. I was injured, that, that, that injury during the year. But I – I remember him as being a great teammate and, and fun to be around. And Stabby, you know, I had a lot more experiences with Stabby because uh, uh, we played together with some U.S. teams. And, and uh, we were actually in the Olympics together a couple of years ago when he was coaching the women's mm-hmm. team. And funny goalie, you know, very funny kid. And uh, competitor, his college career was outstanding at Minnesota. I know before – uh, we got to play with each other and against each other. That Minnesota-Wisconsin rivalry is pretty intense, so you 
you kind of try not to like the Minnesota guys, and then you get to know them, and you realize they're all good guys. So, uh, but he was uh, he was a great competitor and and, uh, and great. And he's got a goal. His, his son's a, a player now, a goalie that's doing really really well uh, in junior hockey that might develop into being a pretty pretty darn good goalie as well. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Last one here, Tony, and thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, but we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about your number. We're big into the jersey numbers, and you wore, most people know you as 21 in L.A., but you did wear 14 briefly, and I'm just curious how you ended up with both of those numbers because you wore 18 with the Rangers, if I remember correctly, but when you came to Los Angeles, of course, Dave Taylor would have been wearing 18. Was, was there a reason why yeah. you ended up with 14, and, and what was the purpose of the switch over to 21? Yeah, 14 was the, probably the one that I'm not real sure on how I ended up getting. I think <laughs> that when I got there, 21 was Barry Beck, mm-hmm. and 18 was Dave Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Luke was 20. That would have been a good number to get to. So I, I really didn't have uh, much of a choice. And I thought, you know, I, I wanted 21 all along because Stan Makita was my idol growing up in Chicago. Uh, it was always a number that I wanted to wear. I wore it in college, wore it with the Olympic team, and I wanted to get back to it some the 18 was actually kind of Dennis Savard, kind of inspired by Dennis Savard. When I got to the Rangers and that number was available, mm. I jumped on 18 because David Shaw had 21. So the number 21 uh, was uh, was mostly for Stan Makita, and and uh, I was lucky enough to have it and, and wear it for, for most of my career. And and uh, I, I still like that number. If I could play again and, and put a jersey on, I'd like to have number 21 on the back of it. Well, there you go. Tony, outstanding debut on Kings of the Podcast. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, we get the Wisconsin's game, uh, games on TV now in Los Angeles. So it's kind of our adopted college uh, in terms of hockey programs. So we look forward to watching you guys over the second half. And uh, keep, keep an eye on Turkey for us, would you? Yeah, we'll do that, John. Thanks for having me. And, and uh, enjoy the holidays. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks, Tony. Have a great one. back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with TV and the mayor. Here we are, back for the third period. Dennis, uh, what do you think there? Tony Granado. Wow. He was fantastic. Amazing. He'll be a coach in the NHL again one time at some point if he doesn't want, if he wants to leave college. I, I just want to say to all the all the uh, listeners and all, all the fans of, of both Dennis and, and, and people who follow the mayor on Twitter, uh, I'm sorry because every uh, it seems like every episode I, I tell you guys this is the greatest episode, <laughs> but man that Tony Granado so interview, transparent, I mean honest, open, yeah. detailed answers like not a coach, yeah. not normally what you expect no. from a coach either. And I guess that's probably why I'm sort of a little bit taken back is that yeah when you talk to a coach you're so used cliches, to kind of cliches and 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 being guarded and yeah. Uh, polished answers but yeah. i um thought that he was very open very well, honest I mean, you know john i i think part of it may have been that like a coach who's coached in the nhl and has played at a very high level i think these kids re-energize the, the coach as well yeah I, agree. I think it's a different situation where they're not playing for big contracts they're not worrying about trading people at the deadline these are kids in their formative years and i think it energizes and i think it, it makes you have to be more communicative with them mm-hmm. first of all because of their age alone yes and todd talked about having kids college age at home and stuff like that. So I just think that, that Tony, who's been really accomplished everything in this league, when you go back to college and maybe it looks like a step back, it may not be a step back because this is where the next generation of kids are coming from. And I think you'd need more communication skills to coach in college than you do in the NHL. Still, even though you, you ha- it's a different generation, we've talked about this, John, you have to communicate more with these players as opposed to the last generation of players. But I think in, in talking to Tony, you could hear the energy, you could hear the mm-hmm. vibrance. Of course, I'd be excited if I had Turcotte and Cole Caulfield on my team as well. But I, I really think that when... DeAndre Miller, back, Dylan Holloway, yeah, I mean, that I roster's mean, pretty stacked. It's stacked, so I, I think that, that going back there is not a step back, it's just a step sideways, and you're getting... 
uh, I think his his resume is being broadened by going back and coaching players like that because you can hear in his voice he's so excited about coaching these kids every day. Well, he's all, it's also a little bit of a dream job given his ties to the program as right. well. Yeah. He didn't just go back to you know, a college. He went back to his. Yeah, so it's, it's a really big deal. Um, but the youth comment that you just made is an interesting one because I had long argued that that was one of the downfalls of the Kings after their uh, cup years is that they weren't bringing in enough of the youth to keep the veterans energized right right um and so you need those vets there to keep the kids honest Mm -hmm. but you need some of the kids to re-energize those those veteran players and that's what dwight king and jordan nolan did Mm -hmm. um when they came in that's what tyler tofoli and tanner pearson did when they came in and you needed those guys and And there's been a gap and they weren't bringing enough of those players up so and you're now seeing it um i mean look why do you think kopitar likes to play with alex iafalo right i mean right from the very beginning why did drew dowdy go to the mat and want to argue for bjorn foot and so did kopitar kopitar texts me in the training (laughs) camp he's got to be on the team yeah so and because not from a playing standpoint, but I just think from an energy standpoint, uh, that's what it is. It's the yeah, it's the energy, and it just really gets them going. So, uh, great job there to uh, Tony Granado. Now, um, one of the downfalls, if uh, unfortunately uh, from a time perspective, DB over these uh, multiple back to back to back to back episodes we've been doing is we haven't done a rain report. I'm going right. to give you a quick update on Please the uh, on the rain. They they did wrap up a three game road trip that was rather unsuccessful last week. They picked up a win in San Jose against the Barracuda, who they've been beating up on all year. Um, but then they they really had it handed them in uh, a two-game series in uh, Tucson. They lost 6-3. They lost 8-0. Uh, Cal Peterson was pulled. It was not a pretty game. Now, they are off for the holidays. They will be uh, home. They're doing a home-and-home home on Friday the 27th and Saturday the 28th. So uh, Friday in Ontario, Saturday down in San Diego. And, and boy, let me tell you, one of the best rivalries in all of pro hockey is the goals and the rain. Those two teams without question, absolutely right. hate each other. <laughs> I mean, it's Kings Ducks times a thousand. It's fantastic. <laughs> so if you're free on Friday the 27th, I'm not. I'll be at face-to-face. But if you're free on Friday the 27th, head out to Ontario. If you're free on Saturday the 28th, uh, head down and see the game uh, in San Diego. I'm not free on the 28th either, DB, because I'm going to go ASU Harvard. Wow, I got out of it. Remember you there was did. some talk about I know. I, Friday of I kept pushing holiday you. week? Yeah, and you, you, face-to-face yeah. one out while well, we both won there. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> ASU, if you want to go, uh, that's ASU-Harvard on the 28th. <sighs> that's a big one. It's a real bummer. It's exciting that that college game is going to be down in Irvine, but it's also a bummer because the Kings have a prospect who's committed to Harvard uh-huh. for next year. Oh, really? So he would be there, but... Uh, if he, I had not seen the arena in the, in the rookie tournament, I thought about maybe going down. It's fantastic. The place yeah, is gorgeous. Great. The rinks is just an amazing layout. Even... You know, talking to Lauren Henning tonight, and he, he lives down in Irvine still, and he he's kind of overwhelmed at what they did down there with respect to that facility. So it's a world-class facility. So if you're jonesing for a little bit of hockey and you want to drive down there, if you live in uh, maybe southern part of L.A. or maybe over <laughs> the Orange County line, not too far, you don't want to do those 90-minute drives to... Now, for college hockey, John. Now, they're at Five Points Arena where uh, where that those games are yeah. going to be, ASU Harvard. They keep telling me that they're going to eventually hold concerts there. It's a nice 2,500-seat arena, yeah. so I'm waiting uh, for some concerts. If, you, if, if, if you're out there listening and you hear about a concert, let yeah. me know. And the parking's great. It's easy to get to. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, it would be really it's great for a concert. Uh, the, and then the last rain game of the year will be on New Year's Eve. Uh, they the last rain game of the decade. Oh, that's true, too. <laughs> they play against Baco in Baco. Now, DB, I'm not even going to ask. You're very lucky that the Kings have a home game against Philadelphia Philadelphia, because I would be picking you up at your house and we would be carpooling. (laughs) Nothing like spending New Year's Eve in Bakersfield. Uh, Look, uh, you know, the Rain are in for a tough one right now. They have no Bjornfoot. They have no Kapari. They're over at the World Juniors. Uh, Grundstrom is hurting. Uh, with, with an arm. Luff is up here now. And Luff is up. Uh, Ferk is up Ferk, temporarily. He'll yeah. probably be back down soon. He was called up because Lewis is day-to-day. But the Rain are sitting at 13-13-3. Uh, they have 30 points. They're in fourth place in the division. You know, they do want to make the playoffs, though, right. and that would be a great experience for it so would. many of those young yes, kids agreed. to get that. And And here's the other thing, too, is even though some of the kids – will be called up from Ontario and probably will play here in L.A. in March and April, right. they will be eligible Let's to go, go back, back down. down. So you hope that whoever's in Ontario during March and April, they can sort of tread water and keep sure. them in the playoffs. Sure. All right, let's wrap up this episode, uh, DB, with a quick lap around the NHL. Um, some news items. The fans did vote the All-Star Game captains right. this week. You have, for the Pacific Division, Connor McDavid. You have this guy named McKinnon out in Colorado. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some dude named Pasternak, and another guy I've never heard of named Ovechkin, Ovechkin yeah. out in the Eastern Conference. Any thoughts about those captains, McDavid, McKinnon, Pasternak? A surprise Pasternak, at Pasternak. Yeah? That got it. I was hoping it would be Brad Marchand. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, pasta has been amazing this season. But no, I, I think these are all great. Uh, now the question is: Is Ovi going to show up for the All Star? No, he doesn't like going to the All Star game. Yep. He'll take the fine. He'll sit the games out. Yep. I'm. I just hope that whoever the replacement is, is it's it's a Mick. I'm going to go for the cheap joke here. Yep. You have McDavid. You have McKinnon. So give me a Mick that can replace <laughs> Ovi. There has to be another one somewhere out there that can join in, and then it's up to Pasta to change his name. <laughs> well, the guy that should go in his place would be John Carlson. Mick Carlson. Mick Carlson. Yeah. Mick Car- okay. No, Carlson. Yeah. He's kind of doing okay this year. It's for. All right. So. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. John Carl. He's at least he's Ovi's teammate he's too. Had, so. I think he scored a goal and three assists so far this yeah. season. No. Okay. He's gonna win he's gonna win all the awards, right? All he's gonna the, win the, I'm gonna vote from first. The heart, the Rocket yeah. Richard. So when you see the column the about Norris. this Bernstein guy who voted, he voted John Carlson first in everything. The lady Bing, the Selkie, everything. How about the Vesna? The Vesna. You're lucky to vote. You're yeah. lucky the GMs vote on the Vesna. Exactly. Yeah. Dennis would screw it all up. Calder trophy. You'd be that guy in the PHWA that gets the voting wrong. Um Topic number two, this yeah. comes uh, courtesy, actually, of your friend over at TSN. Yeah. Um, Simon Seliski. Uh, Salikas. Salikas, I'm sorry. Salikas. Yeah. I, I wrote it down, and I still got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but Simon there, uh, he, he tweeted out that Jonathan Huberto, 205 points in his last 198 games played in the NHL. Um, this guy also has 503 games played with 407 points, but, but over the last half of his career so far, which would be 205 points on 198 games played. He, and he was questioning, is he one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated player in the NHL? He certainly plays in such a small market that you would have to think He's that, in the conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, because you got Barkov that when they do get publicity, he usually dominates the publicity. Ubido's been a great player. I think he was the third overall pick. Uh, so the talent was always there, but... That was the 2011 draft? Yeah. People, you know, when players go down there, they disappear, and nobody mm-hmm. knows about them. And now with Quebec and now with uh, Bobrovsky playing better in Florida, they're probably a playoff team. Um, but he's a really solid player, solid guy. Um, and, yeah, he's never going to get enough credit because of the market he plays in and the fact that Sasha Barkov plays center. But he has been a fantastic player for them. But nobody knows about him because they don't get any love. Well, Simon knows about him. Okay. Salikas. Salikas. I got it right that time. Yeah. Simon knows about him because he's tweeting. He's in Montreal Mafia. He, he's tweeting guys. about him. Exactly. You keep talking about moving to Vegas. You might need to move to Montreal. Oh, if I move to Montreal, I'd be all over. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be on that station midday. Forget yeah. it. would be all over. I would be all I'd over. I'd never love. talk to you again. We couldn't do the podcast no, anymore. No, we could do it. We <laughs> I'd have to be it. a guest on your show You'd on have to TSN. Be, <laughs> yeah. Habs of the podcast, it would be. I would, yeah. John, you know what? No, the halves of the podcast would not work, DB, because I would only want to talk to people from the 93 Cup final. (laughs) And I would would be, I mean. uh, Let's be honest with each other, right? If we lived in Canada, we'd be big big stars. Uh, Okay. Simple as that. So we're the Jonathan Hubertos of of Los Angeles. If we we, we live in Canada, we would be. All right, DB. Item number three, as we bring this sucker to a close, uh, the Kings are heading out on the road. They're going to be going to San Jose and to Vancouver. Um, San Jose is just, I mean, they are a train wreck. If I could strap on pads, I'd try to play for them and get a couple million. The goaltending's been atrocious. Yeah. I mean, they've guessed wrong with respect to paying too, so much money for Carlson, which looks like a bad move, and, and Burns hasn't been himself, and Flasic looks like he's a little bit over the hill, but they can't get a save to, to save their lives. That That's the problem with this team. They have absolutely terrible goaltending. Martin Jones, the guy who won them the series last season – in, in the playoffs in Game 6 in Vegas is is MIA. Aaron Dell hasn't been any better. So, it, it John, you know, we talk about offense and skill and youth in this game, but you know what? If you don't have a goaltender, you're done in this league. Right? That's why, you know, Edmonton, again, tonight, and this is Monday night, they lost in Vancouver in the third period. They don't have any goaltending. Calgary, I'm not sure about their goaltending. If you don't have a goaltender in this league, you can't win. And when you don't have a one A and a one on one A who are playing as bad as San Jose is, they're in last place in the division. Though they were coming into tonight, maybe the Kings you know, bypassed them with this loss. But um, it, it's just, it's just their goaltenders in there. And you you thought that they were going to have issues with their offense because Pavelski left and Donskoy left, mm-hmm. um, and they had to bring back Patrick Marlowe to kind of save the Boers' job twenty games ago. I uh, hated that move. Yeah, and, and so. But it's about goaltending. The team just can't stop the puck. And if you can't, I mean, they're, they're last in the conference in, in defense. Goals do, against. do you think that they um, trade Vlasic? I've heard some, I've heard some grumbling yeah, about that. Yeah, well, you know, some talking about Montreal. But he's got a long-term deal. He's got like five years left, I think. It's $7 million per. So if they, if they eat a little bit of it, but I don't think they can, they'd have to bring back a similar contract. So I think he's boxed in. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Doug 
Wilson was the top Teflon man in San Jose, and he made all these moves. They haven't worked out. He fired the coach, who's a really good coach. I'm not blaming the coach because mm-hmm. I don't think it's his fault when you watch that. And, and that was the thing. The thing about me that was weird about that move was Bob Bugner didn't deliver the goods in Florida with a talented team. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy because they like him better or whatever. But interim whatever. coaches are just t- – it's tough to find a guy in the middle of the season. Yeah. And you have to find a certain – a I don't know because Bob right is an interim coach, though. I think that they, they were looking to him to be the next coach because he coached Florida, but it it hasn't worked. Oh, I understood he was the interim coach, so yeah. I have it wrong. I, I don't, I don't know. Okay, but I'm just saying the that, only coach they should be worried about right now. And I said this, I think, uh, over the weekend um, on your XM show was the, the goaltending coach. That's that's who they right. should be focused on right now. Yeah, right. They need some goaltending coaching. You're right. They turfed everybody as you they mentioned. Did. So, which is like you mentioned, it's very unusual, but it, it was warranted. Right. Well, Dusty Emu is available. He's over in yeah. China right now. Maybe yeah. throw some money at him and see if we can get him out of his deal. Exactly. Get so him over there. It's just that when you don't have goaltending in this league, John, it doesn't matter who you have on the team, you will not win, and that's why San Jose is in the last place. It's one of the reasons I also continue to believe that Jonathan Quick should have trade value because Agreed. outside of five or six elite goaltenders in the NHL, there's mediocre goaltending across the league at best. John, even this season, Bobrovsky wasn't good to start the season. Tampa Bay's in the predicament where they are because Vasilevsky hasn't been good. So this very, very proven guy, like, and look, the one guy who's been great is in about ba- my is guy up in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, your guy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Connor Heilebuck is leading that team. The only reason there, and look, they've had some good performances. Wheeler's been great. Uh, Lonnie's back on track. But without Connor Heilebuck, right, they're probably at the bottom of the division as well. But it just goes to show that if you don't have that guy in the net, it's going to be very difficult to win in this league. All right, so what another fantastic episode. Hope that everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we have but, a lot of a, a great music on this episode as well. But Dennis, you don't you're realize, up John, your... yes, th- there's a little surprise at the end, John. More we, surprises? We have, <laughs> yes, so many so many guests this week. John, we actually have, and this is, this is a first time for this podcast, we have Kings of the Podcast Overtime. Ooh. We have a fourth period? We have a fourth period. <laughs> wow. You've been waiting all night to say that. I have. <laughs> Sponsored by the fourth period, right? My good friend um, Andy Lashner is going to join me for a few minutes to talk about live hockey, his uh, slow walking movement and stuff. So stay tuned, fans, for the overtime. But uh, have a great holiday, and we'll talk to you after the holiday. No, not after the holiday, DB. We have, we know, we, we more have, surprises. We have another episode. Oh, you tipped off it. I had to tell him. We have another episode tomorrow, but first... Over time. Special Kings of the Podcast Overtime. First time we've ever done overtime. And now the better guy to do it on the first night of Hanukkah than uh, a very good friend. Um, you know him from the Ellen Show. You know him from Hockey Night in L.A. Andy Lassner is joining me. This, Andy. This is a big deal for me. It is not I, a big It deal is a big me. deal for me. I listen to this podcast. I love this podcast. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Please. you guys are brutally honest about the Kings. Thank and you. so because of you and the mayor... I my expectations are managed, and okay. I really believe that we're rebuilding, and I believe in the future because of you guys, and you yeah. guys have kept me calm. Yes, and we're going to go into that in a minute. Um, so, like every other, you know, uh, relationship that's born here in nineteen in twenty nineteen, we met through DMs. We, we yeah. met through DMs yeah, exactly. on Twitter, exactly because you were a rabid Kings fan. Okay, I'm not a rabid Kings fan. You are a rabid. I'm Kings a rabid fan. Kings fan. You're a rabid hockey fan. No, you know what happened was it was when you did the on ice video as the goalie with the team. That's right. And you really embarrassed yourself, and you were embarrassed that I saw uh, that. A lot of people and, thought I was actually pretty good, but okay, <laughs> you call it embarrassing. Um, but oh. I just love your passion for hockey, and you're right. You're a rabid hockey fan. And exactly. You, uh, and even when it's not the Kings, I can ask you about any team, any player, and you have such Thank a you. wealth of knowledge. And if I, I the checks in the mail. Yeah, and if I wasn't doing the Ellen DeGeneres show, I'd be doing something with you and hockey. Yes, we would that be would running be the dream. team. We'd, we'd be, be running the team. Running the yeah. Team. So, hey, so listen. Um, why, after last season, 
as bad as it was, did you continue to be a fan of this team? Because, first of all, I just love the team. Uh, I have a friendship with uh, the captain of the team. Okay. Um, and I think with 13-year-old twin boys, it's really important to show them that you got to be a fan. I have okay. two my sons. I, it's important to teach them that you got to be a fan in the bad times, and then, you know, when it gets good again, you, you've been there for the ride, and you can appreciate it that much so, more. Andy, there's a lot of sports in this town, the, the yep. Rams, the Chargers, the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, the Galaxy, LAFC. Why do you go crazy over this team? Because I just love hockey. And okay, it was why do you sport. love hockey? I, I, I love hockey because I grew up as a Ranger, Ranger fan. fan. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I had a friend who had season tickets, and I'd go only a couple times a year. But every time we went, we would stay after and wait for the uh, Rangers at the time, Ron Duguay, Barry Beck, Ron Greshner, Esposito. We would wait outside Madison Square Garden. We knew the door or they left. And they would stop and they would sign autographs for us. And they were the nicest guys. And so they were my heroes. And as I've said a thousand times, whoever your heroes are as kids, Mm -hmm. that's who become your heroes as adults. I, I... work at the Ellen DeGeneres show. I right. interact with celebrities every day. Right. It's a great job. I, my heart doesn't start racing when, uh, when celebrities are around me. When a professional it's hockey amazing. player is around me, uh, as a middle-aged man, I still get <laughs> crazy excited. It's what really? excites That's me. fantastic. And, and I know you. I mean, you wear King's yeah. gear on the show, and yeah. you have your little headset going, and so it's just uh, – and you're also a ra- – to me, the, the one thing that really kind of surprised me is that – you. and I always joke about it with John. I don't want to drive out the 10 or the, the 605 out of Irwindale right. to go to the games, but you go to rain games as well. I love the rain games. I love – first of all, I love Mike Stuthers, the coach. Yes. And I love seeing what's coming up. I love the future. Right. I love hockey. And the way I got into rain originally yeah. was – even before they were AHL, when the ECHL team was out here, right. before they switched places, and the Kings didn't make the playoffs, I still needed hockey. And right. I was like, where can I go six. watch some hockey mm-hmm. and get my kids excited? And so we would go, and then I was like, oh, wait, I'm on the glass for like 40 bucks. Right. I, like exactly. this. I know. <laughs> this is a good deal. <laughs> it's a little, little uh, less expensive yes, than your seats right now because you're quite, watching a third row yeah. behind the net, right? Yeah. Um, third row behind the net where the Kings shoot once. But it's, you know, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I, I, yeah. I, I there's something about this game and the energy and the mm-hmm. players and the, and it's, there's, there's something like brutal about it, but it's also yeah. amazing. And um, yeah, I love it. And also like uh, my kids, when the first game I ever brought them to, I bought them King jerseys. They were right. like six years old and we were playing the Red Wings and uh, after two periods, we were like losing four nothing, and my son turned to me and said, "Could we get Red Wings jerseys?" <laughs> and it was at that moment that I was like, "I need to teach him what it means to be a fan." Right. I was okay. like, "No, we're not getting it. Red Wings loyalty jerseys. relationships, yeah. like yeah. every other business yeah. that we work in." So, look, you, you mentioned that you have a relationship and a friendship with uh, Kopitar. Yes, um, you're close to a couple of other players, but like of the non-core players right now on this team, who's your favorite? Uh, I love Lazat. Okay. I love Campbell. Okay. Um, I'm starting to like this Roy kid. I think okay. He's Matt Roy. Good, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm I'm really excited about who's coming Please. up from from the rain and uh, the Kapari kid and who's the other kid who's at the Worlds now? Oh, uh, there's nine of them at the Worlds. Uh, Bjornfort. Bjornfort. There, there, there's nine like Kings prospects. There's nine of them. Nine. Uh, Bjornfort. Yeah. Uh, so that's and we've been telling fans, you know, Boxing Day, December twenty sixth. If you get a little depressed over the game tonight, which was a little bit depressing after yes. the first 12 minutes, like tune in Thursday because you're going to see. And, Andy, here's the thing. It's not like it's just some tournament. If you go back two or three years and see the players that played in the World Juniors, they're all in the NHL. Yeah. And they're, they're uh, draft class plus one. So you, you're going to see names you recognize. Right. And you're going to see best against the best. It's 19-year-olds playing against 19- and 20-year-olds. So it's a really, really good tournament. I, I've always been an NHL guy, but – as I get older and as I understand what the process is, especially with a team yeah. the way it's building right now, you want to see those nine kids compete, yeah. not against the to, NHL guys. I agree with you. I, I used to not care. I used to be like, like me. what do you mean? The, no, I used to be like, I, I, don't, I don't care about the future. I want to know right now, right now, right. who's on the ice for the NHL. But you have gotten me invested in these kids that are coming up, and, and now that's another reason I love going to the Ontario Rain game is, is because you get to see these kids and go, Oh wow! Like that Peterson in goal. Yeah, my God. Cal's going like, to be the future. Yeah, he's you're the seeing future. the future and, playing in front of you, and, and it's it, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's what keeps me going. But but yes, it's been rough to be a Kings fan for Kings fans the, the last few years. But I don't understand people who 
fall away from the team or don't care anymore. I mean, if you're a real fan, right. you're here. I mean, I'm, I'm as excited when the Kings score a goal tonight as I am when we're on a playoff run. It's like, really? I just love it. Yeah, you just I love get, it. I right. love it. And given your, your schedule, you have a crazy schedule. So yes. 41 home games, how many will you see in a year um, in the season? I would say probably 20 to 20. That's really good. 20 to 25. Because you don't do a ton of traveling for Ellen, right? We don't do a lot of traveling for Ellen, but the problem is is we tape 170 Ellen shows a year. And so to get out after work sometimes and make it here in time from Burbank isn't always easy. And so, but the great thing is Mm -hmm. I love giving it away to people. And my favorite people to give away my season tickets to for a game are people who have never been to a hockey right. game because to What's get the, that, to get the text right. yep. and the call after the game and going, oh, my God, right. that's the amazing. greatest sporting, that's the most yeah. exciting sporting event I've ever been to. Agreed, agreed. Who's your all-time favorite king? Uh, I have to say Kopitar. The Kopitar, okay. Um, uh, have you been to you know, Slovenia? Because, because I was a Ranger fan. From, no, but this summer I'm going to be in Croatia and hopefully we'll meet up with the Kopitar family. Uh, let me so, know when you're going because we plan to visit him as well. Really? Yeah, we're going okay, to think yeah. about going over. I'm making to... him come to Croatia. I'm not going all the way to Slovenia because we're going to be in Israel first. So okay. For the kids' bar. And they go to Croatia a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They go he, to split. He, yeah. He's Big fancy. timer. Yeah, know. He's, you know what the yeah, yacht and the whole he, thing. You, you know. know the, you get those the pictures, fancy too. fancy Slovenians, they go up to Croatia yeah, he shows on vacation. <laughs> he's got a good life, that one. <laughs> he's really good. I saw his wife tonight. She's the sweetest. How cute are those kids? Oh, amazing. My God. What a great family. What great people. I mean, yes. And Andy, that goes back to why we love this sport. It's the people. They're such good people. He's such. There's a Jewish word that you know called mensch. Right. He's just a real gentleman. He's a sweet guy. He's a and, caring guy. And doesn't have to be. He's making $10 million a Zero year ego. living in living Manhattan, ego. Be- yep. Manhattan Beach. Wouldn't have to do anything for anybody. And I need uh, a stick for a charity event a couple of years. Come over to my house. No problem. My kids, uh, yeah. here's a yeah, true please. story about Andre Kopitar. My kids' uh, birthday party three years ago, their 10th birthday, we rented out a suite here. And invited 30 of their friends. Great. And so I texted him and said, I want to give my boys a signed puck from you. Can you get me a signed puck that I can give them? He signed 30 pucks. There was a, a Kopitar puck for every Unbelievable, kid. but not unbelievable. Yeah. Like, that's and what, I was like, what? That's who he is. And, that, and that's what people ask me why I cover the sport in Indian. Because like, the first reaction a couple of seasons ago before they won cups was, I, I, you know, I cover hockey in L.A. Like, can you get Laker tickets? And that was always the response. And because they never won anything, it was, right. it was a struggle. But now, it's like it's not even about that. It's about the players. Right. The players are so fantastic because, like you, I've done a lot. I've done yeah. a lot in this game. I've been on the ice. You know, every yeah. year I get to go on the ice now with the Stanley Cup, regardless if it's L.A., St. Louis, Boston, wherever. But I never get tired of the players. Yeah. They are just amazing people. Yeah. They will they take are. time out. Like it's, it's, They all take time. They all... They all know what it's like to be a 10-year-old kid with your face pressed up against the glass looking at your heroes. Yeah. And they... They know what that feels like, and they give so much love to fans. Here's the qu- it's like when I ask them a question, it's like, I need something, and the response is always, what do you need? Right. Whatever you need. Yeah. And now, look, granted, I have a relationship with these players, but still, they I go agree. out of their way to be special players, and they don't yeah. have to be. And, it's, and the it's Kings has a good they, – they have a good core group of guys who are just like Brownie and Quick. They're yeah. just all good They're just dudes. just regular dudes. I like Campbell, the, too, by the way. Yeah, well, Jack, you know, we nominated Jack for the Masters and – trophy last year which is the perseverance and dedication to the yeah. game and he stuck with it man he's a good yeah, kid he's good now who's your favorite non-core um i don't have one <laughs> i think it's the kids that are oh matt luff oh yeah i like luffy yeah he's I a like good luffy. kid i know i know luff from yeah. some some like nights in toronto he's a really good kid i yeah. hope he makes it and he's got potential so yeah he's luff, got speed guy. he's got speed he's Wagner's got a great got shot speed. yeah kempy's got speed you yeah. just want more of those shots going in the net well i i think the next generation of kings when turcott gets here and and uh is Lord, turcott gonna is he gonna deliver on the promise of turcott he is gonna be he's gonna be a great number two center behind kobotar for the first two or three years and that maybe this would play. Yeah. That's and they need to play him on the wing a little bit fun. I Gabe remember Bologna. when we drafted him, I texted you right away. I go, so he's going to be, he's, he's playing this year. He's like, no. you're like, no, no, no. no he's, he's going gonna, back to college. I go, what do you mean he's going back? You're like, patience. He has to develop. He's in a good program there. Yeah. I'm all, you're the one who got me off the uh, immediate gratification. Because I, I want to know every year that we're going to win. And I know that like players, like, fans like you were upset at the end when they didn't get the first two picks. But Jack Hughes. Isn't doing great in New Jersey. Yeah, it's not going. Capo New Caco, Jersey in general, not going. Great. Yeah, Capo Caco is on the fourth line. It's not yeah. always automatic. And now, so, 
you might have a situation where Turcotte could fit within with no pressure, having to be on the first line like those other two players are, and and function very well. Plus, he's playing with Colfield and the Kaliev kid um, in the World Juniors, so that's another reason to watch. And you know, you know, you know, you mentioned that I'm a rabid Kings fan. You know what else makes me a rabid Kings fan? I'm listening. The fact that I actually have joy. The, uh, at the fact that the Sharks and the Ducks are also <laughs> not doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those Kings fans that needs those teams to not do well, too. You need the, the yeah. negative re- uh, and affirmation. I'm not a big, uh, I don't need Vegas doing well either, but every time Somebody's I see, do you know, well and, you know, individually I, I, I have no problem with a lot of the Sharks players and the Ducks players, but as a team, I, I don't want them mm-hmm. to do well. Okay, I'm sure so, they're all nice guys. So before I let you go, Andy, um, yes. I want to talk about this this movement that you found, the slow walking movement that you yes, now it's, have it's promoted. It's really taking off. It's could, taking could, off. Could you tell about a little bit about the genesis and why do you think here's what people happened. are now motivated to get Here, out of bed in the morning? Here's really what happened. Okay, give me a short story. Uh, I uh, shot a birthday greeting for someone on Instagram on my treadmill. Someone commented that I shot myself at a very unflattering angle. <laughs> And then someone else commented saying, oh, it's so fun that you're on the treadmill. And I started saying that I'm not running. I'm just walking really slowly because I don't do any exercise. And this is a start. And then I started getting response after response going, you motivated me to exercise again after never exercising. And I'm like, oh, God, people are really taking this seriously. And now it's just a fun thing I do, that, which is just I walk slowly. And uh, and I'm doing a little bit of movement every day, and that's that's what I'm trying to get people to do. Just a middle-aged Jew trying to make some movement. Exactly. Well, fans, um, I've had the pleasure over the last year, 18 months, to get to know Andy. Um, for all his accomplishments, all the Emmys, all the great stuff that he does with Ellen and the other uh, Game of Game show, like this, at, at his core, is a good man. And Thank you. Mench, and you talk about Mensch. There's not a bigger Mensch than Andy Lashton. So it's a pleasure having you on Kings of the Podcast. You're the Mensch. Yeah, and um, your no. wife's the Mensch with that program. Oh, yes, she, she is. She yes, she is. On. Absolutely. I went to a dinner. You should just know his wife <laughs> does unbelievable work for the community. Yeah, for uh, New Directions for Youth. So, Which um, is amazing. Andy, but thanks for the time. I know uh, you're Thank crazy you. busy. I'll get you back to your I got home. No, and, uh, I, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> you're the best. I like bro. that you make me feel busy. Uh, you're, you're the Thank best. Thank you. Thanks for doing it. This, uh, this is a song that, uh, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there, and uh, not too many Hanukkah songs, so I uh, wrote, wrote a song for all those nice little Jewish kids who don't get to hear any Hanukkah songs. Here we go. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, so much Hanukkah to celebrate. Hanukkah is festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible.